This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. I'm so glad you liked the video. No, thank you very much. It's so good to see all of you on this 4th of July weekend. Welcome to church. Are you having a good time? Did Spike kill that first number? Yeah, for those of you who walked in late, just a hint. You might want to stay through the break and poke your head in and take in the first song of our second service because it's one you will not forget. I have a note from Kevin, little house business, and that is he spoke about our summer concert series. The next one is July 14, and it's awesome hotcakes, all right? That just sounds good, doesn't it? We're going from moonshine to hot cakes. I won't even go there, all right? <laughs> That's awful. Okay. Uh, for the next four weeks, we're going to play around with three words, and they are very important for a church. They're actually very important for each of us individually because they, they speak to an overall paradigm that we have in life. And, and we're going to have the opportunity to look inside. We're going to have the opportunity to look outside. We're going to have an opportunity to look at our church. But, but I want to tell you that this paradigm, to a great degree, will determine how you look at your world, how you look at the people in your world, how you interact with the people in your world, and how much joy and fun not only you have in interacting with them, but how much joy and fun they have in interacting with you. The video that you just saw from the Global Leadership Summit, could you tell that Mark Schmidt, who was the, who was the commander there, could you tell he had a particular paradigm? with which he viewed not just his job. But through that paradigm, he looked at every single person in his squadron. He looked at all of his potential leaders. He looked at the Air Force. And in truth, he actually looked at his whole world through that paradigm. And I don't know if you picked up the statistic in there, but the washout rate from his squadron went down how far? 80 My heart's desire for every single person here is that you could know and you could feel and you could live with that sort of effectiveness. Now, yes, he's in the Air Force and he's a leader in the Air Force. But the truth is, what was powerful about that video is he went to a thing called Global Leadership Summit. And in it, it affected how he looked at his world and how he did his job. His job just happened to be that. My prayer for us is that we could take that same paradigm and we could take it with us to our workplace, whatever that is, and whatever we do. even if your job is a stay-at-home parent. Big job. 
you're developing the next leaders for the coming generation. It's a huge paradigm. So, if you haven't registered for GLS, go out into the lobby right after we're done. Get registered. We have two more weeks that you can sign up at the lowest rate. It's 89 bucks. They got all the stuff out there. It's two days that I'm promising you, you will never forget. But I'm saying all that because it also leads into what I want to teach you this morning. We're going to focus on these three words. Let's start with God's dream for his church. You can see it in your notes. Here's God's dream, not just for his church, but this was God's dream for humanity, for humankind. And it's woven throughout all the the scriptures in the Bible. God's dream is that we, all of his people, starting with Adam and Eve and going on through all humankind, that we would be a community of diverse people living in a culture of love for our Father, the one who created us, and for each other. Now when I read it like that, does that seem that hard? It doesn't look that hard. But but when we go to live it out, it gets way tougher. I, I quoted this poem to you a few years ago. I want to bring it back up on your radar. And, and it goes something like this. To dwell above with those we love, oh, that will be glory. But to live below with those we know, that's a different story. <laughs> Got it? We've all lived that, right? Yes, that's the reality that we live in every day. But God's dream for his people, all of his people has never changed. And that we would be this wonderful community of diverse people living in this beautiful culture of love for God and for our fellow man. Jesus laid it out like this. Guy came to Jesus one day and wanted to test him to see if he really knew what he was talking about. And as the creator of heaven and earth and the creator of all the people, he didn't actually have to stutter and think about this too long. When the guy said, hey, what's the most important thing in all the world? Here's what Jesus said to this guy. When the guy said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, when Jesus talked about loving God with all your heart, soul, and and strength and mind, he actually envisioned things like what we're doing this morning. He envisioned times of dynamic worship when we stand and clap and lift our hands and whistle and, and, and do all sorts of things because our souls are stirred at the deepest level because of the love that God has for us and because of the love that we have for him. He envisioned times when we gathered together in our homes and, and, and we studied and we read passages of scripture. He, he envisioned times when you and I would sit alone with God Maybe out next to the ocean, maybe up in the mountains. It really doesn't make any difference. Where we sat alone with God 
and some wonderful truth about God. Maybe it was his power. Maybe it was his creative ability. Maybe it was his love for, for tons of people. It could be anywhere at any time, but, but this, this love for God and this amazement at who he is would just wash over us. And we would think, I'm so blessed that God is who he is. And I'm so blessed that he says about me who I am. And in this loving our neighbor as ourselves, God envisioned times when, like what we're doing here this morning, when someone walks into the lobby and they've had an unbelievably tough week. And people will put their arms around them and just love them. Cry with them. And when somebody's had a great week, people will put their arms around with them and laugh and smile and have a great time with them and celebrate with them. He envisioned times like Friday night we got together and, and the band played, and a ton of people were out on the dance floor, and they were dancing and having a great time, and the church was just playing together, and, and people were just enjoying each other. God's dream for his people is beautiful. Always has been, always will be. Jesus went on to say this. He said to this guy, In the very next verse, Matthew chapter 22, verse 40, all the law and the prophets hang on these two. He said, you know, when you think about it, God's dream for his people is pretty simple. It's not about systematic theology and all the things that theologians like to argue about and finer nuances from Scripture. It's not about this complex set of rules and regulations that, man, once you sign on with Jesus, you better do this and you better do that and you better do this and you better do that and forget about the list of things that you shouldn't do. It's way too long to list here, right? Yeah. We can complicate stuff that God actually makes so simple. This morning I want you, I want you to know this. When you look at these, these three verses, love God, love your neighbor, and this is what everything hangs on, I want you to know that this is everything that God wants for you. And it's actually everything that he expects of you. Just that. Everything else comes out of that. This is not what you're supposed to be doing and experiencing while you do all these other things that are really important to God. God says, no, if you get this thing first and you get it right, so much of the other things, things that you should do and things that you shouldn't do become natural for you. Because when you love God, it motivates you to do certain things. And when you love God, it motivates you not to do certain things just by its nature. You don't have to white knuckle it to try to prove your love for God. When the love of God gets down in your heart and when the love for your neighbor gets down in your heart, no one has to tell you, don't murder. 
It's just sort of pretty natural that you wouldn't. No one has to tell you don't steal because it's pretty natural for you to know, now that wouldn't work out so good. In fact, Jesus said, whatever you want people to do for you, what should you do? Do it for them. The most powerful and life-changing truths are not complicated. But they're not easy. We're going to talk about those in this series. That's God's dream. Let's talk about our reality. Our reality is we are a community of people. Actually, you could almost cross out community because we struggle to be community, don't we? Yes. So we are people who repeatedly wander from God. Anybody in that category here this morning? Yeah, I know, it's church. You don't want to say yes to that very loud. We're all in that community. We're all in that group. We are people who repeatedly wander from God and we hurt each other. Not 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 always intentionally. In fact, most of the time not. This last week... I was privileged to go to the college that I graduated from, and, and I got to see people I hadn't seen in 40 years. And it was a fun experience, but I want to tell you about one of those. I, I walked in, and here was a, a lady I hadn't seen in 40 years, but I recognized her right away. And the moment her face flashed up on the screen of my mind, I knew I want to apologize to her. Because 40 years ago, when I was an 18-year-old freshman in college and she was a junior or senior, I had teased her unmercilessly. I just didn't quit. Now looking back on it, I realized... I was an 18-year-old insecure guy, and I had no idea how to affirm in other people what I appreciated about them. And the only way that I knew how to give them the attention that they actually deserved was to tease. But what I realized is 40 years ago, I could have made her life terrible and not even known it. So I said, hey, can I make an apology to you? She said, what for? I said, because when I was a kid, I teased you a lot. She goes, I know, I'm good with that. (laughs) Right? What I want us to see is that we all have these things where we don't actually intend to hurt people. We're not actually mean-spirited, but we just do. Because that's the reality in which we live. We'll get into that a little bit more later. So God has this beautiful dream for his people. And the reality is, even the best of us, well, here's what God says about us. Take a look. There's no one righteous, not even one. That's not God's condemnation on the human spirit. That's not God's judgment against all of humanity. You know what that is? That is just a factual observation. 
And God says, I have an answer for that. So here's God's remedy. God's remedy is to provide an eternal kingdom through Jesus. A Jesus kingdom. And what's going to happen in this kingdom where Jesus reigns? People can grow in their love for God. And they can grow in their love for each other. Here's how God stated it in the Bible. This is what the church looks like. You have put on your new nature, which is being renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile. That's cultural differences. Remember God's dream is that we would be a community of diverse people. And in this Jesus kingdom, there would be Jew and Gentile. There would be people from all cultures. He goes on to say, circumcised or uncircumcised. And I won't get into what all that meant back in that day, but if if we could just summarize it by saying it has to do with religious practices. And in the kingdom of Jesus, there are all sorts of people with different sort of religious traditions inside of Christianity. This morning, there are people gathered all over our country, and the pastor would look very different from me. The pastor would be up in a, in a big pulpit and be wearing a robe and would be delivering a speech. It would be a well-crafted, probably reading from a manuscript, a well-crafted talk about something from the Bible. In different places of the world, the pastor might be wearing a dothi, which wouldn't be a pair of pants. It looks more like a floor-length skirt. And, and maybe, maybe a shirt, maybe not a shirt. And would be standing in front of a group of people who would probably be sitting cross-legged style on the ground. And when they got ready to crank up the band, there would actually be no band because there is no band there. And they would just start to sing and clap their hands and the only drums would be the rhythm of their hands. And in some churches, we'll crank up the saxophone and have a great time. In other churches, it'll be a pipe organ. The deal is, the kingdom of Jesus is a community of diverse people with, with all kinds of different religious practices and traditions. God's okay with that. That God loves that. He goes on to say, barbaric or uncivilized. That's sort of interesting. In other words, there would be people from, he says, slave or free. And if you throw all that together, there are going to be people from all different uh, strata in the socioeconomic scale. Some people would be free. They would be business owners. They would be employers. Some people would be slave. And in that day and age, a slave basically was an employee. So you've got employers, you've got employees. Some people would be very civilized and come from the top levels of, of the socioeconomic ladder and they would be well-mannered and everything would be right in its place and all that kind of stuff. And other people would be a little rough around the edges and, and not nearly so polished. It's okay because in the kingdom of Jesus, everybody belongs. That's the deal. He said, actually, Christ is all 
That matters. And he's in all of us. That's the deal about the kingdom of Jesus. That's God's remedy. It looks pretty much like God's dream in the beginning, doesn't it? That this would be a people, but there's one very significant difference. And that's what we're going to press into. Okay? I want you to underline a couple of passages here. And a couple of phrases. I want you to underline the phrase, is being renewed. And the second phrase I want you to underline is, learn to know. Because the difference between God's original dream and God's current remedy, in God's original dream, no one had to learn anything or grow in anything. They would just be living in that culture of love. But in God's remedy, we're all learning and growing and in this, in this journey of being transformed. So, I want to play with three words with you today. And I guess it wouldn't be me if I didn't make some boxes. So here we go. <laughs> All right. Sorry for you on the sides. Hopefully you can see a little bit. Um, we're going to talk about belonging. We're going to talk about believing. And we're going to talk about behaving. And most of you would say, well, two out of three is not too bad, right? <laughs> Okie dokie. Let's talk about believing first. Instinctively, everyone knows that in order for a church to be a church, it actually has to address what we believe. Because instinctively we know that what we believe actually matters. I know that in our world, it's sort of, well, believe whatever you want to believe, and it'll all work out for you. And if that's sort of your paradigm, I'd love to invite you to come two weeks from today, because I'm actually going to focus on this word, believe. And we're going to talk about the actual nature of truth itself. And we're going to look at three different kinds of truth, levels of truth, and we're going to see what belongs in each level. And and then we'll see for sure, why what we believe, especially as a church, makes all the difference in the world about what our life turns out like. So believing is definitely important. We all know that if a church never talked about how people behaved, it would be a relatively worthless church because it wouldn't change anybody's life. And and we all know instinctively that can't be okay. Well, just come and sing a few songs and go out and live like however you want to because it really doesn't make any difference. Jesus died for your sins and I guess you're okay. We all would go, no, I wouldn't want to go to that kind of a church. While it would be easy to belong to that kind of church, it wouldn't actually change my life. And fundamentally, one of the basic purposes that you and I come to church is we believe that God can change our lives, and that he will. So that's really important. And then last of all, we're going to talk about belonging. Because we all understand that if a church taught me what to believe and how to behave, but gave me no sense of belonging, would it be any fun? No. Some of us know what those churches feel like. We've been there. Where it was all about what you believed, it was all about how you behaved. 
but there was very little sense of belonging. In fact, you went to those churches, you showed up, you listened, you sang, and then you went home because there was no sense of belonging. So we're going to talk about all three of these things, but I want to teach three principles today, and I'm and I'm probably going to end up raising more questions than I'm going to give answers, but that's what we always do in the first sermon in a series. The first principle is this. We need to understand that every church has to choose the order in which we put these things. Every church has to. Secondly, by the way, every individual does too. Did you know that people can sniff this out in your church and in your life? As to which one of these you put first, I'll tell you why in just a minute. Okay. Secondly, there are real risks associated with any possible order. Let's just suppose for a minute that we put it in this order. Okay. And that is, hey, you have to believe the right things or you don't really belong here. Okay. In fact, our church is about those who believe a certain set of things. And if you don't subscribe to that, well, there's probably a church out there you could find that you could go to. But in our church, we start with what you believe. And then we move very quickly to how you behave. Because we can't have anybody in our church that doesn't behave to a certain level. And if you believe the right things and you behave the right way, then you can belong here. I have a lady in my life that I encountered at Pete's Coffee with a bunch of my friends. And we love her. She's our resident atheist, okay? (laughs) And, And... When she first encountered our group, she actually hated all Christians. And she keeps saying, I don't get you guys. Uh, You're not like... And uh, literally, this last Wednesday, I walked up and I gave her a hug. and, and, And as I was hugging her, she confessed a sin in my ear. I hugged her again, and I said, that's okay, I still love you. And she said, I knew you would. And I said to her, that's what we do as a church. Now, I want you to hear what she said. She said, not everybody in your church. Hmm. I said, what do you mean? She said, I run into other people in your church, and they're not all like that. I don't say that to make anybody feel guilty. But you know something? I actually enjoyed the fact that she said that to me. Because I'm going to go back and pick up three principles that are in your notes that are really important, and they speak to that. So let's go back to the last section Right under Colossians chapter 3. I'm I'm going to confuse our projectionist here for a minute. We are a diverse community of people who are what? Growing. Growing in our love for God and each other. We haven't arrived yet. And there are times we don't respond well. In fact, the second principle is this. We are imperfect people who are following Jesus how? Imperfectly. 
And you know, if this lady followed me, she wouldn't have to follow me too long before she would go, really? (laughs) Yeah, we're imperfect people following Jesus imperfectly. And this is the part I want you to get. And that's this. When we do church properly, it's pretty messy. I'm going to give you three illustrations. I've been in people's homes that have a sacred room. Everybody's home that has a sacred room where people never go? (laughs) (laughs) Could I have a sacred house that only I live in? Well, then it wouldn't be too sacred, would it? So... But I've been in people's homes. They have a room that no people ever go in. No one ever sits on those couches. No one ever touches those pillows. No one ever walks on that carpet. Because no people equals what? No mess. I think God might have thought about that in designing his ultimate community. Wouldn't it be great if there was no people? We would be like the, we would be like the missionary who said, God, I'm a great missionary. It's just the natives I can't stand. <laughs> yeah. So we, we don't entertain that idea too long before we realize, ah, that wouldn't make much of a church. So then we do second best. What if the church were a gated community? Hmm. Where only the right people were let in. So you had to have a certain set of beliefs. And you had to have a certain level of behavior. And you would always be on the outside. Even if you came to church, there would be a clear psychological line between us and them. And you would always be them until... You, you got these two in line, and then somehow you could be let in to the gated community and be actually a part of the church. Can I tell you, externally, those churches are less messy, but they're like every other gated community. Is it always peaceful on the inside of a gated community? Do you know anybody who lives in a gated community with a whole bunch of CCNRs? And everybody just loves everybody and gets along, and it's so wonderful, right? Are you kidding? You don't want to go to the homeowners association meetings. People yell and scream at each other. Because in spite of your attempt to let in only the approved people to your great shock of disbelief, some of the people that get in don't actually meet your approval. Those churches do the same thing. Because when we do church right, you know why it's messy? Because people are sort of all over the place. Some people in our church are just finding their way to Jesus. And their lives could look like anything. Right? I remember three weeks ago hugging someone on the way into church. And this particular lady was having a hard time walking a straight line. And I know that she would have failed a field sobriety test. I know that. She's relatively new to our church. And you know, after I hugged her, and she reeked of alcohol. After I hugged her, 
I bowed my head, and here's what I said to God. God, I'm so glad that in the midst of her lostness and brokenness, that she recognizes somehow church is where she can find the answer. Yeah. Because when we do church right, it's messy. But I love our mess. Do you like our mess? Yes, I love our mess. Now let's jump back to where we were. Okay? There are risks associated, and I won't delineate any other risks. I want to give you one other principle because this is one, this is one you have to see because it's maybe the most important one. And that is, whichever one of these you put first becomes the dominant narrative and the dominant dynamic in your life and in the church. And as I said a while ago, people can sniff that out in a heartbeat. So, what's Jesus' order? Here it is. Jesus says, you belong first, and then I'm going to work on what you believe, and then I'm going to work on how you behave. That's all I'm going to tell you. You've got to come back next week to understand why he puts it in that order. Can I tell you, as a church, this is how we live in practice. That's why when you walk in the door, you feel loved and accepted right away. I'm going to point you to a story, and and I'm going to encourage you to read that story from the Bible. It's John chapter 4, verses 1 through 42. It's a wonderful story about Jesus interacting with a woman who's very lost and very confused in life. And we're going to watch him work, first of all, at helping her have a sense of belonging. Then we're going to watch him address what she believes And we're going to watch her behavior change and a whole bunch of her friends' behavior change by the end of the story. Uh, And we're going to walk through that over the next three weeks. So that's what I want to invite you back to. If you look at how you can move forward, there are two ways to move forward, and that is to read John 4, 1 through 42. And the second way to move forward is, remember I spoke a while ago about the kingdom of Jesus? Well, virtually every Sunday in our church, There are a handful of people who decide for the first time, I want to enter the kingdom of Jesus. Sort of the Bible word for that is, I want to become a Christian. And I want to invite you to do that today. So if the kingdom of Jesus sounds good and you want to jump in this mess, and you want to be in the process of learning how to love God and learning how to love your neighbor, and you want to jump in this process of being renewed by the Spirit of God, there's one thing that makes all of that possible, and that is the fact that Jesus died on the cross. That's why the cross is always a big deal in church. It's a big deal in our church, not the actual physical cross, but what took place there. Because Jesus gave his life to pay the penalty for your sin, you get an invitation into God's kingdom. He will never be forced on you, but the invitation is there. And today, before we close, I want to extend that invitation to you. And if you're ready to make that decision, then I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and then I'm going to pray for the rest of us. Here's the prayer that you can pray, and let's close our eyes and get ready to do our business with God. 
If you're ready to become a Christian, you want to enter the kingdom of God, it starts with communicating that decision to God, and then we can lead you um, and, and get started in that well. But here's the prayer that you can pray, and you can say it right where you are, say it in your heart, um, but you got to mean it, and here it is. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me enough to give your life to pay the penalty for my sin. Thank you for inviting me into your kingdom. Today, I choose to enter your kingdom. I trust you to forgive me of my sins. And I trust you to begin changing my life. And I pray in your name. Amen. Now I want to pray for the rest of us. God, as we read this story this week... Would you begin to speak to us about the realities in that story? And would you shape our paradigms so that we can, in a better way, view our world and the people in it and interact with them in the same way that Jesus did? That's our prayer. I pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.